Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Matt Baxendale. Bax, a lot to get into. Let's start with um, what Ryan Day had to say yesterday or not had to say about injuries. I asked him, you know, the status update on uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jordan Hancock and Mayan Williams. And he, he kind of smiled and said, I even prefaced it with, I know you hate, like, you know, when we ask you about injuries. And he said, then, yeah, then why are you asking? <laughs> but, yeah. um, but he did say, like, basically no comment right now on Jackson Smith and Jig, but Jordan Hancock and Maya Williams, but he will let us know later in the week. Um, what did you make of that, Mr. Baxendale? Well, he looked at you. He's like, what you talking about, Biddle? So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, this is Ryan Day. He doesn't give us updates on injuries. Like, what is this? This isn't the NFL where he has to give us, like, a within 25% accuracy. Um, you know, like, the reality is we could talk about injuries for, like, an hour right now because I think that's most people's probably biggest concern right now about OSU this season, right? After six games, what's our biggest worry? It's injuries. So we could sit here and literally, let like go, like, position by position and talk about whether or not people are back healthy. I think the biggest thing we just have to take from this, in my opinion at least, is they got a week off. It was a really good time to have the week off. That's what I said in the bucket. I was like, thank goodness we had this time break here because there's been a lot of nagging injuries that are a real worry. So is this the week we get JSN back? Is Mayan Williams healthy? Was this finally when Jordan Hancock gets to play? You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those are all things that Ryan Day won't tell us until we get to the status report for the games. But you have to think that that this week did a lot of good for the team across the board. Let me ask you this. So, I mean – Obviously, Ryan Day is not a doctor. I don't think you're a doctor. You might be. You do a lot of like things. I, I'm not a doctor. Even if Jackson Smith and Jigba is cleared medically for this game, I would hold him out till next week. And not that Penn State's a world beater, but I mean, Iowa, it feels like if Ohio State scores like a score, which could be a field goal, that might be enough to win this game. I say that like half jokingly. I'm serious though. Like n- nothing lingers more than hammies. You and I have talked about this a lot. Like even if he's medically cleared, I give him another week. Yes. hundred percent. A thousand times, a million times. Yes. There's no, Iowa's last game was nine to six, right? Ohio state's offense has like sneezed out more points than that over the course of the year. 
Like the, the, there's zero reason to rush back Jackson Smith and Jigba. And here's the kicker. If he gets hurt again, that's when the buddy, you're about to be a millionaire. Don't push yourself. Voice gets really loud, right? Do we want him back this year to play in some of these games that really matter down the stretch? Absolutely. But if we rush him back, then you risk him having a Nick Bosa end to his career where he has an injury and we don't see him again. And we don't want that. So there is, in my mind, zero reason to rush back JSN. Has Emeka Ibuka not been good enough? Has Marvin Harrison Jr. not been good enough? Like, are you not entertained? Like, there's no reason to bring this guy back whatsoever against an Iowa team that uh, they, they won one game this year, seven to six with two safeties and a field goal against an FCS team. We're worried about offense. No, absolutely not. You don't play him until Penn state period. Life is good when JSN is out and Julian Fleming, who's normally your number four receiver is your number three receiver and is still looking like one of the best number three receivers you could possibly imagine. He was what supposed to be like number he was supposed to be the number four receiver. Go ahead. What's that? You say doesn't he already have like six touchdowns or five touchdowns or something already this year? I'm surprised he didn't. I'm surprised he didn't transfer to Alabama. That would have saved a, like a lot of their woes. That's what they're usually used to. Yeah, they got to get the Ohio State guy that just can't get on the field, right? Because there's too many other good ones. It happened it's only one Nick time. Saban can recruit these days. It happened one time, and I'm saying it's a trend. Alabama had to take Ohio State's number three wide receiver and turn him into their number one. And uh, I, I still, I'm. I, Clowning on Alabama is not going to get old. I don't care if it's one loss. It just feels it feels like it's different this year. We've been talking about it. It just feels different with Alabama. Um, let me ask you this. I had a chance to ask uh, Jim Knowles about this yesterday. We'll get into more about Jim Knowles here in a second. But I want to ask you about Jordan Hancock. When he gets back, again, we don't know if it's going to be this week, but eventually they're going to get him back. They're confident that they're going to get Jordan Hancock back shortly. It might be this week. might be next week. Um Jim Knowles seems to think backs that like this kid's not just going to come in and like oh he'll give us like a like a little bit of depth here. They feel like right away he can help. Like even in the spring when they thought a lot of Denzel Burke, they were thinking Jordan Hancock's going to give Denzel Burke a run for his money. So if Jordan Hancock is healthy and can knock off the rust, how much do you think he can help this defense? Jordan Hancock could be starting within two weeks of being back if he's fully healthy and performing well. Our corners haven't been spectacular, in my opinion. And correct me if you disagree, Dave, but. This hasn't been the Denzel Burke we hope to see this year. Cam Brown has been okay, unspectacular. He's been fine. He's had some good plays. Actually, the best he's looked all year is a couple times in run defense where he's looked almost like a safety at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the young guys, I mean, Jair Brown has played okay. Uh, we got to give him credit for being as young as he is playing the way he is, right? J.K. Johnson, you know, has been beaten a few times too. Young corners take their lumps. That's how this works, right? So we got to remember that, but – you know, the reality is, is that Hancock could easily come in and be our number one corner if he's healthy because we haven't seen anybody up to this point play like a number one corner. And I think some people are sitting here going, oh, well, that's crazy. Well, think about it. Think about what we need to see from our defense. And I just went through this in the bucket of bullets last Sunday. Position by position, are they better than I expected, equal to what I expected, worse than I expected? Corner was one of the only positions. I'm like, yeah, they, they've been worse than I expected. I was – super duper optimistic that Denzel Burke would follow in his Denzel namesake after Denzel Ward and have an amazing next year. And, you know, first half of the year hasn't been his best. Plenty of time to bounce back. Maybe a, a week off also isn't just good for people with physical ailments, but the people who are kind of mentally trying to get themselves back straight, right? Hancock could be a massive help to the Buckeyes down the stretch here, an absolutely massive help, especially, I mean, he's one of six scholarship cornerbacks, so we're going to play him a bunch regardless. We don't have a choice. And if he comes in and plays at a remotely high level, I mean, this is a guy who's going to be on the field a ton, in my opinion. I'm with you. Um, 
I also had a chance to ask Ryan Day yesterday um, about Jim Knowles and his future. Like, basically, it seems like most Ohio State fans are like, I love this hire. But I hope this is not another Jeff Halfley situation where he's one and done, where, yeah. like, you know, somebody offers him a head coaching job or maybe an, even – I know mm -hmm. Halfley didn't do this, but an NFL defensive coordinator job. I've gotten the feeling and I've heard from sources that, that Jim Knowles is more than happy here. and He loves what he's doing now. He has no aspirations to be a head coach again. He already was a head coach at one point in his career at his alma mater of Cornell many, mm -hmm. many moons ago. Um, I had a chance to ask Ryan Day about that, and I know this is more, you know – what Jim Knowles wants to do, but I wanted to ask Ryan Day, like, are you, is this something you guys talked about? Like when you hired him, like, I don't need like a one and done guy. Like I need somebody who's going to be at least here for like two years. And hopefully like as long as Ryan Day wants him here, do you feel yeah. like, Ryan, do you feel like this is like what Jim Knowles wants to do? Like, is this a destination job for him? And Ryan Day basically said, yes, that doesn't mean like, you know, he can't really speak for Jim Knowles and say he's never going to leave, but sounds like Jim Knowles wants to be here as long as he, is wanted here and Ryan day wants him here as long as Jim Knowles wants to be here. And that's what I wanted to hear Bax. Yeah. I mean, if that happens, fantastic. Right. Uh, this is different too, though, because Knowles isn't like 43 years old or whatever the heck Jeff Halfley was. Right. And Halfley was a young upcoming fire breathing guy that you knew was going to get a shot as a head coach. We hope to keep him for two, not one. This is different. Knowles is in his late fifties. He's a guy who's been around the block. He's, he's an X's and O's guy. And sometimes if you're a guy who just loves the coaching side of it, you know, you don't have to be the guy in charge, especially at a place like Ohio State, which is easily the best school that Jim Knowles has ever been a coach at. You're in, you have so much talent at your disposal. You can be the guy who sets the tone for who you recruit to, to Ohio State. It's not – I mean, in the day of NIL with the brand about behind you like Ohio State has, it's not like you're going to be, you know, struggling to succeed in getting the talent you need to run your scheme – and even then, Jim Knowles should have a ton of confidence in his scheme. He had the number three overall defense last year at Oklahoma State. So there's a lot of reasons why Jim Knowles should be at Ohio State. And by the way, another thing that I don't think anybody's really talked about here is Ryan Day's not a defensive guy, right? So this isn't like there's a head coach meddling in what Knowles is doing. Ryan right. Day's like, this is your jam. You're the head coach of the defense, right? Whereas any offensive coordinator we ever have is going to be like, hmm, what do you think, Coach Day? Right, whereas – Jim Knowles will walk in and go, hey, Ryan, I want to talk about the game plan. You're good, dude. Stop the, stop them. Give me the ball back. Like That's Ryan Day's side of the ball is the offensive side. So he's not going to be ever over Knowles' shoulder like like nannying him, right, especially with the job he's doing. But Ryan Day in a perfect world doesn't want to worry about the defense more than, a. all right, we've done our due diligence. I'm getting the athletes I need on the defensive side of the ball, and we're getting the ball back in the hands of the offense that will always be good as long as Ryan Day is in charge. So – there's a hundred reasons why I don't think Jim Knowles is ready to leave anytime soon. And the reality is he's at a point in his career where he might not want to leave at all. I mean, this might be where he runs for five, six years. It's a reality. We got 99 problems and Jim Knowles leaving ain't one. He's going to stay here. He loves it. He leaves. He's a city guy. He's a Philly guy. Originally he loves Columbus. I didn't realize till Ryan day, I answered my question like that, that Jim Knowles had like friends here, like friends in Columbus that he knew very well that uh, he's got a chance to catch back up with. Yeah, you never, fans, we need to hug them. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. But, like, and another thing, you, you touched on this. Like, it's not just – so he's happy, it seems like. He's also making $2 million a year, and he doesn't have to deal with all the nonsense that Ryan Day has yeah. to deal with as the head coach. Like, he, he – Noel has to talk to us every once in a while. Like, Day has to talk to us all the time, has to do everything a head coach does. He's, Noel's is making $2 million a year. I think he – I think this is his final job. We'll, we'll see. I hope he's That's here. That's a really good point, too, Dave, the money side. I remember – 
a crazy long time ago when I first started writing with Bucknuts. We all were. Remember, our big worry was Luke Fickle has to go take a Mac job somewhere so that he can get that head coaching experience because assistants didn't make more than a quarter million a year. Remember how antiquated that sounds now? <laughs> like you don't have to go coach at Toledo or whatever. You you can go and be a big time assistant coach and eventually get shots as a head coach. Or you know what? Maybe you're just that guy who really is happy. Being a great coordinator to great schools is always in the mix of the biggest games every year. That sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. So what do you? What are most people in their late 50s in their career looking for? Stability, excellent earning power, eventually being able to walk into retirement happy and enjoying where they're, where they're at, right? Jim Knowles has all of that here. He's instantly beloved at Ohio State because his coordinating work is excellent, and we've been through some stinkers recently. So, um, you know, he's going to be a popular guy for a couple of years here, to say the least. It makes a world of sense for him to not want to go anywhere. You never know. But, you know, he's like, in many ways, from what we can see of him, he's like the anti-urban when it comes to like, oh, that guy's going to want to run another program again. You know, we all have that feeling in the back of our head. I have the opposite feeling with Jim Knowles. I'm like, I don't think he wants to. That's just my gut. And nothing he does screams, I want to be a head coach at all. And maybe if he hadn't already been a head coach in his career, I might feel differently about mm-hmm. it. But you're right with the age. It's not like he's an old guy, but like in his late fifties, um, making two million dollars a year. I bet you anything. If you ask Jim Knowles, he was very happy at this time last year, Oklahoma State. He was making eight hundred grand. I mean, he wasn't struggling to put food on the table, making eight hundred grand. Like he's making more than double than that now at Ohio State, and it seems like he just loves he loves working. With Ryan Day, as all the assistants say, it's like it doesn't feel like you work for Ryan Day. It feels like you work with him, um, but he still has the respect of all of his coaches. Obviously, ask the defensive coaches last year what happens if you don't uh, perform well. Ask the offensive line coach last year what happens if you don't perform well. Ryan Day, he might be a, a fun guy to work with, but if you don't get your job done, he's going to hold you accountable. But Smiling uh, assassin. <laughs> he really is. He really is. But, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Jim Knowles is very happy, and I, I loved hearing that from Ryan Day yesterday. All right, Iowa on Saturday. Last time these two teams met was in 2017. Buckeyes figured by 18 in that game. Iowa wins by 31, and that was Ryan Day's first year at Ohio State. He was the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. He was asked about this yesterday. The teams have not played since then. He said he was not mincing words. He said, that was a scar that won't go away. I've thought about it a lot recently. We've talked about it. That's the last thing I want to hear if I'm Iowa. You're already walking into a hornet's nest with no – and now you're – now they're like, oh, crap, this is a revenge game from five years ago. I, saw, I posted something on Twitter, and an Iowa fan said, oh, crap, they're going to hang like 100 on us, aren't they? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you can hang 100 on this Iowa defense, but if you score seven, you're probably going to win. I like Ohio State like 35 nothing in this game. Yeah, it feels like one of those games where like, like Ohio State is not having forgotten what happened. And remember I said about smiling assassin Ryan Day? He's like, yeah, it's a scar. We know. Yeah, yeah, we all know. Every single one of us. Like, go back in time to where we were then. Ryan Day wasn't even the head coach yet. We had just beat Penn State in what probably was the greatest passing performance of JT Barrett's career. And not to get into the whole debate over JT Barrett again, because that still is hot five years later. Um, <laughs> the, the reality is, you know, the the polar opposite happened with all the interceptions that day. Nick Bosa was ejected on a brutal targeting call. I still hate that rule. And things went not just bad, horribly bad. Like they lost by like 31. It's like what, 55, 24. Most everybody listening and watching this podcast 
knows exactly what they were doing when that game happened because that's how bad of a game it was. And Ohio State has not forgotten that. And I can tell you for a fact, Ryan Day, anytime somebody says they have a good defense, Ryan Day is ready to chew it up. This Iowa defense is good. I don't want to take it away from them. Like, like that the Illinois team that is seemingly barreling towards being the new Wisconsin and winning the West this year, which there's a whole different thing saying Illinois is going to win the Big Ten West. But they they held Iowa, Iowa held them to nine points. Iowa played Michigan 24 to uh, 27 to 14, right? Iowa's defense is, is tough. They're physical. What we don't know if they can do, because Michigan can't do this, how are they going to handle whenever people are just dropping bombs over the top to NFL caliber wide receivers? That's something I don't think Iowa's going to be able to defend. This game strikes me a lot as one of those like 2006 Trestle kind of games where, you know, 42 to six later, 35 to nothing later, you know, it was very obvious that the other team never really had a chance. And Ohio State will probably shift into run the ball and get this game over with mode because Ryan Day at least has some respect for the opponent. Unless there's really a burr up his rear about this scar and he wants to go for 50, I don't see any way that Iowa is going to stay in this game. They cannot score to save their lives. Ohio State's a top 15 defense. Remember preseason, Dave? We're like, give me top 25. Just give me top 25. Top five. They're better than that now. They're top better than that. Top five defense. They're, They're better than that now. Defense. And this is the it. kind of game when you shut out Iowa, whose offense is ran by the coach's kid and shouldn't be, uh, <laughs> just to be blunt about it. I'm sure Iowa fans agree with everything I just said there. Um, I don't know how Iowa's going to score unless Ohio State turns the ball over, right? Like, this is one where I'm kind of curious. Like, is Iowa, like, going to get lucky and get a pick six or something? That would be concerning after one of those two weeks ago. But, you know, they're a good defense, but they haven't played a passing game like Ohio State's. There are very few passing games that exist like Ohio State's. And Michigan cannot throw the ball downfield. If you look at the Wolverines and all the things they do well this year, and we'll start talking about that game more and more as we get closer, but they're not a downfield passing team. It's it's run the ball with Corum and Edwards and then have McCarty check it down. And usually they, they succeed a lot more against zone coverage than man. Iowa runs man. So that's another thing that helps them here. So at the end of the day, I don't know how the Hawkeyes hold the Buckeyes off the board here. Like, I just don't see it. I think Ohio State's going to score 30 to 40 in this one because I don't see a single defense that's going to hold them at uh, under 28 points the rest of the way in the whole country. I agree 100%. Let me ask you this, looking at Ohio State's um... – both sides of the ball. Um, halfway through the regular season now, I mean, who's been the biggest pleasant surprise for you? I mean, there's so many we could talk about. Tommy Eichenberg is the one for me. Um, you can talk about more than one if you want. Biggest pleasant surprise on the team. Tommy Eichenberg, Michael Hall Jr., yeah, Cade, Cade Stover. I mean, there's more just like, – what are some of your favorite pleasant surprises on this Ohio State team personnel-wise? And excuse my bad camera view. My battery is dying on my computer, so I had to plug hey, it in. almost done. Yeah, oh, we, we could. Yeah, we said this before. There's my there's my man room. Everybody, you're getting a good view of it. Um, the <laughs> go bucks. Um, so I think at this point, you know, my biggest surprise is definitely Cade Stover because if somebody had told me in August, hey, Michael Hall's gonna have a breakout year, I'd be like, awesome. He was a really big time recruit. That's great. If you told me Tommy Eichenberg, I would have said, well, he had a hell of a Rose Bowl. So sure. You know, uh, you could have told me Mayan Williams has been a stud. We can't, we've seen him. Like, if he gets the opportunity, he's going to be great, right? Somebody told me Cade Stover is going to be the guy to break the 30 catch number and, like, look good doing it. I'd have laughed and said, sure, we've heard this BS for 15 years. No way. Cade Stover, shockingly, has 
what does he have like 17 catches already? He's been a, a he's made some like not like check down kind of like four yard outs. These are like legit good catches he's making. He's a guy that I was annoyed wasn't on defense going into spring. Like, remember that discussion? Like, why are we taking him out of linebacker? He played linebacker in a Rose Bowl. Why are we taking this guy off linebacker? And now he's really good at tight end. Like, uh, I, if you talk about any of these guys, that the surprise, it's Stover. Stover is the biggest surprise to me. Um, and I'll throw this out there, too. The biggest surprise, I think all of us going back to April, because in August we got the inkling this was going to happen. Going back to April, if you told us that our defense was sitting – 14th in total offense or something right now like what, what would, would any of us believed it absolutely not and here we are the defense and in yeah, top five top five defense yeah yeah in march did if you had told us the defense was this good would you even remotely thought it plausible i was just hoping for top 20 i remember saying like listen if they can be a top 20 defense with this offense they're gonna be like really really they're gonna be a big time problem like and listen we have to acknowledge they're their schedule's been easier than we thought it would be through six games. But still, but still, last year they didn't play any good offenses. They ranked 59th in the country in total yeah. in total defense. 59th. And they didn't play any good offenses last year. Um, had- Oregon turned out to be nothing. Michigan's offense was not their calling card last year. Those two teams could do whatever they wanted. Utah could do whatever they wanted, even Ohio State won that game. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think we have to acknowledge that they haven't played good offenses yet, but still being top five in the country in scoring and total defense. I'm here for it. We had three words in March. Just don't suck. That was all <laughs> we were asking for. Just don't suck. Well, they have taken that to heart. All right. I hope that, that you that, that that every bad thing we said about the defense last year is replayed before every single game because they need to continue to be as good as they've been and motivated. Don't get happy now. We're getting to the important part of the schedule. That's damn right. He is Matt Baxendale. He is the people's champ. You can catch his award-winning column every Sunday. On Buck Nuts, it is the bucket. Thank you very much to Bax. Thanks to all of you. We really appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. Go Bucks.